friends, Maureen here with my second update from Madagascar. I've been here about two weeks now, and this last week we went to another small village where they farm vanilla, and then ended the week in Antala, uh, where we got to see a traditional Malagasy ceremony, and we visited a female-owned a third generation Malagasy vanilla business, which was cool. There was one thing that happened last week that I forgot to tell you about that, um, that I thought was just a good lesson to learn. When we were going out to one of the vanilla plots, uh, which was very deep in the rainforest, we ended up having to cross a river in a very narrow canoe with a lot of people packed into it. And this was unexpected. I did not think about the possibility of having to cross a river, which in hindsight is very silly of me. But I had, as you can imagine, most of my gear in a backpack on my back. So I was... Uh, yeah, very worried when I was crossing that river. Uh, to keep things PG on here, let's just say I was clenching tightly so as not to soil my pants. Uh, but uh, I, the thing was that, of course, I have insurance for my gear, but I didn't get the like on water insurance because I didn't think that I would be going on water. Uh, and then all of a sudden I was on water and I was like, oh crap, I should have considered this possibility. Anyway, point being, just get the on water insurance probably for your stuff. I think that would be just a good way to go. Not that that was really the main issue. I mean, the main issue was if I had lost all my gear at the beginning of my trip, that would have really been a suck fest. But uh, that didn't happen. We made it to the river, across the river, and then back across the river later that day with no incidents and it was fine. But um, it was just, you know, kind of like a small freak out moment that I had. Uh, anyway, um, that village was very much uh, like in the rainforest, your kind of typical like all the time drizzly kind of situation. The village that we went to this past week was more up in the mountains, uh, up high, and uh, it was just totally different. It was not rainforest at all. It was very bright and sunny the whole time we were there. Uh, but the vanilla farm was the same, and the issues that the farmers brought up were the same. Things like the seasons changing, so the rainy season being shorter and the dry season being longer. Uh, there's like a new bug that's um, now causing problems and for some reason the the vanilla vines are not living as long so um, they didn't know why I'm curious uh, there's a, a German research team that I've been talking with that they, that did a huge research project all about vanilla um, so I'm curious to go back and talk to them about what they found in regards to this the early dying vanilla plant and find out what they think it was all about. Um, and also another part of that, that German project was that they had a sociologist talking to the farmers and the different uh, vanilla workers and doing research on sort of power dynamics. 
So I've ha- I had a really interesting conversation with that researcher who's, uh, whose name is Annette Witherspoon. And she had told me that one of the things she thought was really interesting was uh, the women who are seasonal workers who travel to the area in order to either work in the processing plants or to um, just work on the on the plantations, the bigger plantations that hire women just to go out and um, and and pollinate the flowers. So I, I haven't uh, been able to meet any of the women yet who just are hired to pollinate the flowers. I did meet a few women who work in the in the processing part of it, although we we went to try to talk to one of the larger companies, Natura Vanilla, in town, and they wouldn't speak to us. We're, we're still trying to see if we can get a hold of somebody, but nobody is getting back to us. Um, just interesting. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what that's all about, if people are just nervous to talk to me or what, but we're going to kind of keep going down that route, we did get access to a much smaller business that just had sort of a handful of women working there, uh, most of whom had actually just moved permanently to the area to work in vanilla and other things during the off season. So then uh, we went down to Antala, which is another big city, in big town in the area. And it used to be more of the center of vanilla, but uh, my understanding is that that area didn't recover so well from the cyclones. It got hit harder. Uh, That's what I've been told. Granted, every once in a while I'm told conflicting things by different people. So at this point, everything that I learn from someone, I sort of take with a grain of salt until I, you know, gather more information. But that's what I've been told anyway, is that the plantations in that area just haven't uh, recovered as well. And so the production is much lower in the Antala area than in the Simbaba area. I did, like I mentioned, get to speak to a woman who runs, she's a a third generation uh, vanilla business owner, and uh, she focuses more on uh, the the processing and the export of vanilla. So it was really interesting to talk to her, um, and and I'm actually going to go and do a longer interview with her this week. But to hear the different viewpoints and the different concerns that she has versus the farmers and um, you know one of the things that she mentioned was the uh, uh, biosynthetic vanilla that's being created and the the competition essentially between those two those two um, things although to be honest with you I think the, the de- global demand for vanilla, from my understanding, at this point, again, you know, all information with a grain of salt, is that the global demand for vanilla is much, much higher than the production of vanilla. So the, the biosynthetic vanilla is kind of necessary because people can't possibly get all of the vanilla that they need, really want, um, from from actual vanilla. But anyway, 
so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to talk to her more about that. And the story kind of seems to be developing into something that maybe shows all these different aspects of the vanilla business that, that women are in and the different problems that they're facing. Uh, and then and another interesting thing, and, and I love to explore the Malagasy culture and, and to share that, um, this ceremony that I went to uh, with my producer, Samson, uh, it, is a, it was a ceremony uh, put on by his family. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to be invited. It's a pretty well-known ceremony in the country. It's not practiced by everyone throughout the country, but um, in certain areas, uh, after they have buried the dead, uh, they go back uh, sometime later to wrap the bones uh, in special cloth and uh, to lay the bones um, in a special tomb. And so I got to see that ceremony with his grandfather who died four years ago. And I mean, they, it was huge. They invited tons and tons of people. I've never seen so much rice in my life. Uh, just a, an amazing amount of rice was at this event because they feed everyone there. Uh, so the whole family comes, extended relatives, and they they go to the tomb. They dig up the bones. Uh, they they wrap them in special cloths and they you know they put the 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 person's favorite things there with the the bones so uh, his grandfather there was a certain type of hat that he loved so they put a hat there and and um, uh, his favorite drinks and things like that and uh, just had a big celebration and uh, it was yeah it was really cool to see that and be part of it and I got to get some footage fortunately so I can you know, uh, include that some, um, I'll do some videos about that and, and, uh, and share that with everybody. But, um, yeah, it was really cool to see that and be part of it. And, and it was a lot of fun. I did, I will say, you know, they say, if you want to get the best footage, you have to get up close. But you know, the thing about getting up close is that sometimes then you get sucked into the action and it is hard to, uh, to get good footage if you're dancing and being a part of everything so you've got to I think you know if you're a, if you're a filmmaker you've got to balance those things because it's good to be a participant also um, especially when you're sharing somebody's uh, culture and traditions it's good to participate yeah you know that's pretty much it that happened this week um, some thoughts that I have on the general filmmaking process is you know some days doors open for you other days doors do not open for you uh, sometimes maybe doors even close and uh, you know you just kind of have to roll with the punches keep pushing forward and, you know documentary filmmaking is a long process we're talking years here probably so you know, you just have to be prepared to deal with the ups and downs and also to deal with the, the negative voices in your head. Uh, I've got them. And I, I think from, you know, listening to interviews with other filmmakers, everyone has them. Everyone has those voices in your head, doubting what you're doing and telling you that you're failing. And, you know, 
just have to tell those voices to shut the F up and uh, keep going. Can I guarantee at this point that everything's going to come together into the beautiful and amazing film that I want it to be? No, but you know, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to create something and I believe creating things is always a valuable pursuit. So go out there and create something and I will talk to you next week. Bye.